Hey, my name is Reed Toller, and I have really focused this last year on intentionally growing my relationship with God. What I've been doing is I've been reading God's Word on a daily basis, and I've been spending time with a group of guys. And really, what we've been doing is discussing how God has speaking to us, how He has impacted our life, and um, it's really helped me grow so much that I wanted to share that with other people. And my wife and I talked about starting a connect group for that purpose. So what we did is we, we started a connect group this past fall, and I started at the very beginning of the connect group, and I told everybody the goal of this group is to help each other develop that relationship with Christ, to move one step closer to God. And in turn, while we're developing that relationship with God, we're going to reach out to other people and try to share the same thing. I'm really excited for our group because I believe that we have really taken grasp of this concept of reaching other people and how we can make an impact on their life. I've got a couple of examples. We've got a girl in our connect group who loves to show dogs, and she named her dog Roman. And she has people come up to her at the dog shows and ask her, where did you get the name Roman? That's a cool name. I really like that name. She did that intentionally so she would have the opportunity to share a Bible verse out of the book of Romans with these people and really tell them how God has impacted her life. My wife loves to show horses, and she has a pair of show clothes that she was going to sell. She knew of a person who wanted those clothes but couldn't afford them. And uh, so she felt God telling her that you need to give these clothes to that girl. And uh, so she decided to do it, and what happened was it opened up that relationship And that girl has since asked for prayer, asked for help, talked about problems, and it gave my wife an opportunity to really share God's love with this girl. We've got a guy in our connect group who really has a heart for a group of friends of his that don't necessarily go to church on a regular basis. What he's decided to do is is every so often throw a fish fry. And he invites those people. And he also invites our connect group. And uh, the goal is for our connect group to be able to develop a relationship with these people, share God's love with them, and it's truly working. We have, we have definitely developed relationships with these guys and, can, and look forward to the next time that he has a fish fry. Hi, my name is J.B. Curtis. Back in August, my wife and I joined the Toller Connect Group. Right off the bat, we got challenged with two things. That was to grow in our relationship with God by reading the Bible every day and to take what we learned and share that with others. God really laid on my heart to start a daily morning prayer uh, meeting at, at work with some guys. Um, sent out an email, and lo and behold, six of them showed up. Uh, we, we get in there, and we pray about uh, different things going on with their lives and any struggles they're having. And what we've done, what we've started since then, is to journal, uh, getting in God's Word every day. The, uh, the really cool thing is that I didn't see coming was uh, the group of guys that were walking in, in the conference room um, started impacting, having an impact on the rest of the departments at work. Um, they'd see our, our whole group going in there, and then they'd a- start asking questions like, what's going on? So then we would tell them, well, we're going in there to, to do a prayer group, prayer meeting every morning. So started spreading to other departments. Yeah, and if you want to know, just following that up, that has spread to other departments. I think he's got six or eight other groups now that are meeting as a place of business. Uh, because somebody stepped up and saw a need and stepped up and said, hey, I'm going to do something about it. Today, I want to talk with you about that. And that's uh, in a message entitled, Leading with No Regrets. It's inside your bulletin. You'll find an outline there. If you need a pen to fill out the blanks, uh, then just raise your hand. And we'll be glad if you didn't get one on your way in. us, we'll be glad to bring one to you. You're going to want to take some notes on this. Um, because this is important for all of us. 
We're going through a series called No Regrets, and we're still in the month of January. Um, we're three weeks in, uh, and so we still got 94, roughly 94% of the year left, okay? This is not too late to start something, and I don't want to end this year with a lot of regret. You don't either. And the type of regrets we have when we don't lead, and we'll unpack all this, you'll see where I'm coming from on this, is that, man, we get to the end of the year and we go, man, somebody should have done something, but nobody did. In fact, I didn't do anything. I missed my opportunity. I should have said something. I could have made a difference. Why did I try to do this all by myself? Anybody ever experienced anything like that? I have too. Not this year. This year, I want to pray that God's going to let me lead. This year. We've got seven resolutions. I've been giving you seven of them every week. And some of you are going, John, I've got so many resolutions, I'll never get out from under them. Well, okay, I want, you to tell, I want to tell you, there's not a resolution in here that isn't based on Scripture. It's not a resolution in here that isn't worth considering. And even if we just did a couple of them, our lives would be so much better. That's the way God's Word is. Every time we obey Him, man, we get so much joy and peace. And so today, if you want to have a no-regrets year, and you want to make sure that you're ready to take advantage of the opportunities that are coming this year, this is a lesson for you. If you want to be a better armchair quarterback and criticize everybody else and all the things they're not doing, you're going to hate this message. Okay, I'm just giving you a fair warning. If you're an armchair quarterback or Monday morning quarterback who wants to tell everybody else how wrong they're doing it, you're going to hate this message. Okay, because the Bible doesn't like that stuff. The Bible wants us to be responsible for what we, do, what we can do. Let me have a word of prayer. We'll jump in. Lord, I just pray that we will not be armchair quarterbacks pointing out everything that everybody else should be doing and not doing it ourselves. I pray that we won't just talk a good game. I pray that we'll play a good game. I thank you, Lord, for that video we just saw of people stepping up, seeing some needs, and running to the problem. Lord, I want to be like that this year. So, Lord, speak to me this morning. I don't want regrets at the end of this year for things I should have done, should have said, could have done. No more shoulda, couldas. Lord, this year I want to do it. Show me some things I need to know about being a leader the way you want me to lead. In the name of Christ I pray, amen. Point A on your outline, God wants us to lead this year. And some of you are already going, well, okay, this is somebody else. I'm not a leader. Well, if you think that, you are at the right place and you're dead flat wrong. Okay, you'll see as we go through this, each one of us has some ability to lead somewhere. Okay, just keep that in mind because leadership is influence. Leadership equals influence. And I'm going to keep this up here the whole time because that's what sometimes we think that uh, leadership is a nameplate on a desk or it's a title. No, it's not. In fact, all of us know of teams where uh, the coach is the coach and he's got the title and all that, but once they get out on the field or out on the court, you know who the leader of the team is. It's that kid right over there. Everybody follows him or at a company. Somebody may not have the high position, but when there's a problem, who do they go see? Joyce in accounting or Larry over in HR. True? True. For those of you watching on TV, everybody's nodding here. Okay, so we should move the camera up and down. Yeah, we're nodding. Okay. And we all know this. You don't have to have a title. You don't have to have a nameplate. You have to be a person of character, a person who gets things done. People will find you because you're a leader. And you have influence. Leadership is influence. Can we say that together? Leadership is influence. Now, if you understand that, and we're all on the same page, well, we can't influence others. All of us can't influence others. Of course we can. Of course we can. So two big things. Got this from a uh, 
little book by a guy named Dave Browning. He had summarized this in two key phrases that are just perfect. Uh, and they're so simple, and they really break this down the way we need to. And it's point one and two on your outline here, that leaders see what needs to be done, and leaders do what needs to be done. And we're going to talk about the first one, and this is all through the Bible too, that leaders see what needs to be done. And this is so important uh, because so many times we don't, we don't really look and listen and say, hey, what, what's going on? Got our head in the sand, or we're just missing it. We're distracted by a thousand other things. Leaders see what needs to be done. Uh, best case in point is Nehemiah in the Bible. Nehemiah 1, Hanani, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who returned there from captivity and how things were going in Jerusalem. And they said to me, yeah, things aren't going well for those who returned to the province of Judah. They're in great trouble and disgrace because the wall of Jerusalem has been torn down the Babylonians had done this uh, decades earlier, and the Jews had been carried off into captivity because they had turned their backs on God, and God had warned them. They wouldn't listen, and he allowed that to happen, just as he had predicted. He told them this was going to happen if you, didn't, if you turn away from me, and they were carried off into captivity, but it was also prophesied after 70 years they could return. And so some of them had returned, but after they'd returned, nobody had taken the initiative to rebuild the wall, and so they were under great threat all the time of invaders and bandits and people were living in terror and nothing was getting done. They're in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down. The gates have been destroyed by fire. And when Nehemiah said, when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned and fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. He saw a problem and it moved his heart. And that's why if you sit there and read the book of Nehemiah, and I would commend it to you, if you ever want to be an aspiring leader, you'd say, Lord, I want to learn something more about leadership. We did a series on this a while back, but Nehemiah is your book. I read it often. And you know what happens in the book of Nehemiah? You see a guy who prays and organizes and manages and supervises and encourages and who meets opposition and he uh, fights injustice and he trains leaders and he keeps going even when it's difficult. You go, who wants to read a book like that? Me, so do you, if you want to get things done, because all those things are going to be required. We've got to pray, and we've got to put our mind to it. You'll see that here, because not only do did, uh, did leaders see what needs to be done, leaders do what needs to be done, and they do it with better handwriting. Okay, there we go. <laughs> That's so terrible. I need a scribe up here. Okay, do what needs to be done, and... Uh, the idea on this is simply this, that I'm not just going to talk. I'm not just going to complain. Yeah, somebody needs to do that. I mean, you heard about what Hananiah, his brother, had said. He didn't go, well, that's too bad. Well, that stinks. <laughs> You'd think somebody there would have some leadership. <laughs> Boy, those people don't know what they're doing. And then go talk to five other people. You hear about those people over there? Yeah, they don't know what they're doing. They're terrible. Somebody needs to fire them. <laughs> We're done. That's my part. I complained. That's not Nehemiah. Early the point two, leaders do what needs to be done. Early the following spring, Nehemiah was serving the king his wine. He was a cupbearer to the king. In those days, uh, this last week, we watched a peaceful transition of power between President Obama and President Trump. We did. We saw them hand off the keys to the military, the keys to the White House. Everybody greets, hugs, and they surrender power. It's an amazing thing. Did that happen in the days of Nehemiah? Oh, no. 
In fact, if you wanted to become king, one key way to do it was to poison the current king. And when he's dead, you haul his carcass out and you sit in the throne, I'm king. That's how you did it. No votes. Don't need a recount. Nope. Killed him. So, in order to prevent that from happening, the king would hire a cupbearer, somebody who would taste his wine for him and would select his food for him and supervise the kitchen staff and supervise all this to make sure he didn't get poisoned. That was Nehemiah. And so he heard all this. He knew he'd need to take some time away from the king. When the king found somebody like him he could trust, he was very reluctant to let such people go. You also didn't show up in a disgruntled mood in front of the king. Because you showed up in a disgruntled mood, he might be thinking you were thinking about how to do him in. So now listen to this. Early the following spring, since a couple months later, Nehemiah has been praying, thinking on how to do this. And he was nervous about approaching the king, looking for the right time. I was serving the king his wine. I'd never before appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. And then I was terrified. Oh, yeah. Are you deeply troubled because there's something wrong? Are you deeply troubled because you're waiting for me to keel over and I haven't keeled over yet? I mean, if he suspects you, he can kill you just on suspicion. Hmm. Yeah, that kind of adds some depth to this. Then I was terrified, but long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins. The gates have been destroyed by fire. And the king asked, well, how can I help you? And with a prayer to God of heaven, I replied, if it please the king, if you please with me, your servant, send me to Judah, rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. The king asked, how long will you be gone when you return? After I told him how long I'd be gone, the king agreed to my request. I also said to the king, if it please the king, let me have these letters addressed to the governors of the provinces west of the Euphrates, instructing them to let me travel safely through the territories on my way to Judah. And the king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me and because Nehemiah was ready. When the opportunity came, he was ready. He knew exactly how long he'd be gone. He knew exactly what letters he needed. And the king was going, okay, you're ready. You're, you've been thinking about this. He saw what needed to be done, and he did what needed to be done. What needed to be done. That's what leaders do. Now, that brings us to point three. Oh, here's a note. Nothing happens without leadership. Nothing happens without leadership. Talked about this with somebody recently who saw something and wasn't willing to do it. And I said, well, nothing's, nothing happens without leadership. And they go, it's not that simplistic. So we talk about Nehemiah. And I go, How much, what would have happened if Nehemiah hadn't gone? Well, probably nothing. Right. Nothing would happen without his leadership. So nothing happens without leadership. Somebody has to see the problem and be moved to do something about it. But if nobody sees and nobody does, nothing will happen. If you and I want something to happen this next year, we need to pray, well, Lord, is there something I can do about it? I hope that you understand everything we built here at Centerpoint is to be a resource to enable you to run right at problems. If we don't have it, let's figure out a way to resource it better. We want everybody to be in ministry. I mean, leadership in ministry is just this, seeing a need and doing what needs to be done. That's a great definition of leadership. And influencing others to come along with you. Point three, God has gifted some of us with leadership ability, but all of us can lead at some level. I just want to go right at this because I know already some of you are going, well, John, I love that you're talking about leadership, and I'll pass it on to a leader if I meet one, but I'm no leader. 
I'm not. I don't have the gift of leadership. The Bible says there's gifted leaders. It sure does. Let me read this to you. Romans 12. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God's given you the ability to prophesy, then speak out as much with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. And if God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. Well, see, John, he gives some people leadership gifts. And I don't have that gift. Right, he also gives people the ability to encourage, and you don't have that gift, so you don't ever need to encourage anyone ever again. You're not a gifted encourager. Right, I don't have the gift of encouragement, so I'm going to attack you. No. I mean, people with the gift of encouragement write thank you notes and encouragement cards every day. A friend of mine writes five a day. You go, you're kidding. I go, I'm not. He has the gift. That's amazing. I know a guy who has a gift of evangelism. I've had lunch with him twice. Somebody kneeled to accept Christ at the table both times we had lunch. It's amazing. I don't have that gift. So I guess I don't have to ever share my faith. I don't have the gift. You go, well, no, John. That's not the way it works. And it's not the way it works. Hey, I'm not a gifted accountant. I don't have to balance my checkbook. No, just because you're not a CPA doesn't mean you don't need to balance your checkbook. So, I'm not a gifted leader. Then lead where you are. Oh, well, yeah. You may not lead a thousand people or a million people. Well, what are you talking about? Ephesians 5.25. For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. The husbands will be the head of the house. Take your responsibility seriously. If that's a leadership role you've been given as a dad, as a husband, if you're a shift leader, lead your shift. If you're a Cub Scout den mother, be the best den mother you can be. I mean, how am I missing this? How could that be, possibly be wrong? It's not wrong. Timothy, Paul writing to Timothy. Timothy, don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. Be an example to all believers in what you say and the way you live and your love, your faith, your purity. It's right to a young man to live out his faith. You know, I had that verse, and I talked about that verse with each of my sons when they grew up to be teenagers, and their friends were going out drinking. They said, Dad, everybody's going out drinking. Everybody's going out doing this stuff. And I go, well, you're not. Well, everybody else is. I'd say, hey, don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. Be an example. You be the leader. Did anybody else have your parents tell you that besides me? You be the leader. Boy, I'm glad that all stops when we turn 18. Why would that stop? Well, I'm not a leader. I didn't get voted into office. I don't have the corner office. I don't have the nameplate. No, but you do have influence if you're a parent over your kids. If you're a friend over your friends. You and I do. So the question is not, am I a leader? Am I willing to lead where I am? Leadership is influence. Can we say that together? Leadership is influence. And God just wants us to use the influence we have. Now look, you could read all of Romans 12. It says, consider yourself a sober judgment. Don't pretend to be a bigger leader than you are. That's certainly true. But leaders see what needs to be done, and leaders do what needs to be done. That works for the President of the United States as well as a den mother. I hope. So, seven resolutions. 
We're going to go through these here, just like we have for the last few weeks on each of these things. These are for you to consider. The more we do, the less regrets we'll have. Resolution number one, this year I will invest in someone else. I'll invest in someone else. Man, if I really want to be a leader, I can say, you know, there's somebody I could pour some extra time into, and that would encourage them to lead. This could be a kid in that Cub Scout pack. This could be somebody in my shift. Paul told Timothy again. Remember, he told him young. He said, Timothy, my dear son, be strong in the grace the Lord gives you in Christ Jesus. You've heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people. Be able to pass them on to others. Timothy, just like I invested in you, you invest in them. If you and I want to get to the end of the year and not have regrets about missed opportunities, one of the best ways is this. If you already have a group of people that you know you're in leadership, five or six people that are key leaders, maybe more if you're in a higher leadership position, well, get out a piece of paper today and write down their names and say and write, ask God to show you one way you can invest in them this next year. What's one thing you're going to do with them this next year? Now, how would that be a waste of time? Well, it never would be. Because at the end of the year, what did I do for Sally? What did I do for Jim? What did I do for Bob? Well, this is what I prayed about at the beginning of the year. In fact, I wasn't sure. I'd schedule a meeting and say, how can I help you? Because leaders see what needs to be done. And then they do it. Teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. This was to Titus, another guy that Paul discipled. They must not slander others, be heavy drinkers, hitting the wine bar after 5 p.m., Instead, they should teach others what is good. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children and to live wisely and be pure, to work in their homes, to do good and be submissive to their husbands. Man, that is so valuable when you have an older woman come alongside a younger woman and say, hey, can I teach you some tips about being a mom? Can I teach you some tips about learning how to show a man respect even when he's not acting like he's worthy of it? How to come alongside and help him? Goodness, that... That's invaluable. Somebody pray with you and encourage you. Well, that works for older women and younger women. It works for older men and younger men. I mean, here in Prattville today, we got these, uh, for those of you watching online on video, it's like we got these stickers by asking about a connect group. The whole idea in a connect group is we want to get around other people who can encourage us and we can encourage them. And when we have a special relationship with somebody, why am I not praying about that? Hey, Lord, who can I invest in this year? And what would I do with that time? 94% of 2017 is still in front of us. It's not too late. Let's do it today. Here's another resolution. Resolution number two. Resolve, this year I will look and listen for opportunities to serve others. This goes back to that thing, if I don't know what to do, I'll start asking. Jesus said this. His disciples were arguing who was going to be the greatest among them in heaven one day? I mean, they really had this debate. They're debating over who's going to be the greatest in heaven. And Jesus overhears it. Can you imagine that? Wow. He put them in their place, and he said, look, guys. This is a John Schmidt added amplification there. Uh, look, guys, you know that the rulers in this world lorded over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it'll be different. Very different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
If I have a servant attitude, the whole thing here, he says, look, a real leader has a servant's heart. It's your attitude all the time. If you see something that needs to be done, don't just talk about it. Do it. I mean, if you have the means to fix it or contribute, if there's an opportunity that somebody needs to go pray with that person, well, you go pray with them. Well, John, I don't know what to say. Well, then come see us and we'll help figure that out. I'd love to help you figure out what to pray with them, but you got to go pray with them. I've told you before, people know of friends that need to hear the gospel and gospel presented to them. It happened to me not that long ago again. So I met a friend who needed to know Jesus. And they said, hey, I'd like you to meet a friend of mine. And so we went to lunch together and we're sitting there and halfway through lunch, the guy goes, hey, um, I've always wanted to talk to you about Jesus, but I'm not sure how to do it. John, tell him what he needs to hear. Right in the middle of my minestrone. Okay, there we go. Well, I would have liked a heads up. And I also don't like being a ringer. Do you know the best person to tell my best friend about Jesus and how he's changed my life? That's me. Your best friend is, you're the best person for it. If you don't know what to say, I'll help you. But doggone it. It's an attitude of the heart. This year, I'm going to look and listen. And if I don't know what to do, I'll get help to figure out what to do next. But leaders see what needs to be done. So I'm going to resolve, Lord, if you give me eyes, I'm going to pray, Lord, if you give me eyes to see something needs to be done, you give me, if I hear something today, Lord, let me see the things I need to see. Let me hear the things I need to hear today. Amen. That'd be a great prayer. And if we're really open to it, if you and I really pray that and really mean it, God will show you more than you've ever believed. Some of you experienced that last year. It was the richest year you ever had. No regrets. In fact, you're going, man, I had more than I could say grace over. Resolution number three. Consider this one. This year, I will go first. Didn't know how to say this. But you know what leaders do? Leaders go first. If people are walking in a line or they're on a, following a trail, who's the leader? Hopefully, it's the guy in front. Showing them the way to go. What would you make of these passages otherwise? Philippians 3.17, Dear brothers and sisters, Paul writing here again, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. Follow my lead. I mean, I could have put many more. Same thing. Here's another one, Paul in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Some of you have done great imitations of me, even on Facebook. You do the hair flip thing all the time. Well, I'd love it if you would imitate more than that, okay? But that's a good start. Well, why would anybody imitate me on that? Well, I'm the guy up front. Now you go, well, John, I'm not there. I know. You're not standing in my spot. I'm not standing in yours. But you have influence over others. Who's imitating you? Your prayer. Reading the Bible. Serving others. Even if it's your kids. Well, does that count? Yeah, because you have influence over your kids. Even if it's your secretary. You have influence over your secretary. Even if it's your friends. I have influence over my friends. I hope I do. Now, why can't I be a leader by example? No speeches required, just action. The fourth to consider. Resolve. This year I'll deal with problems promptly and confidently. Problems. Leaders run at problems, not away from problems. It's true. 
I mean, leaders run at problems. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold, big foothold to the devil. My goodness, you talk about regret. Oh, I should have had that conversation last year. Oh, I should have written that letter. Oh, I should have never let that go on. I hope you know what I'm talking about. That's a deep regret stuff. How do I avoid regret this year? Well, deal with the problem promptly. What if I don't get it right? Look, sometimes, I mean, the truth is, if I'm praying about stuff and I'm doing the best I can do, the best I can do is the best I can do. I'm not telling you it's all going to go smoothly. But that's how you learn to be a better leader, by dealing with problems. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Romans 12, be happy with those who are happy, weep with those who weep. You get the idea here that this is a person who sees a problem and deals with it. He saw a need. Somebody needed hospitality. He invited them home. He saw somebody crying. He wept with them. I mean, how else would you read that? And if I'm doing that, I'm leading by example. And I guarantee you, your friends will come up to you and go, hey, why'd you do that? What's up with that? Well, I just saw a need. And I pray for opportunity. One of my resolutions this year is I'm looking and listening for needs. And that's why I did that, because I want God to use me. I don't want to regret this year that I didn't get involved. There's too many regrets in the past that I had, not this year. Not this year. Number five, resolve. This year I will pray for others in leadership positions. I'm going to pray. I mean, all this stuff, it's hard to know what to do. It's hard to see things sometimes when there's so many things to be seen. What if we prayed for leaders? Listen to this now in, in light of all this. Second Thessalonians 1. Paul says, so we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. So he's praying for people in leadership. He's writing this to the leaders there in Thessalonica. And guys, we're praying for you. Praying for what? First of all, that God will enable you to live a life worthy of his call. That's for their character. Live a life worthy. That you be godly people with godly character. May he give you the power. This is the second thing. May God give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. So the things you see, that God will give you the power to do it. Because some of them are going to be hard. And you'd have the godly character, first of all, to notice the needs of people who aren't that important. And you'd have the godly character that people would follow you because you'd have the character they know they could trust that you really wouldn't, you're not just a dreamer and just a talker. Well, then the name of our Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live and you'll be honored along with him. This is all made possible because of the grace of our God and our Lord Jesus Christ. It's all true. But will I do that this year? Will I pray for others in leadership? Some of you noticed I posted yesterday, 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 5, praying for a new president. And it's absolutely true. I pray for our new president um, all the time. I prayed for our former presidents all the time. I have sometimes people ask me, they go, well, I'm praying that God will guide them, give them so they can live a life worthy of being a president and the power to do the good things that God prompts them to do. They'd have good advisors, so they would see what needs to be done. They'd have the power to do the right things that need to be done. And I have people that email me and stuff, and they write back, and they go, well, what if I didn't vote for him? Well, that's all the more reason to pray. I mean, who should you pray for the most? The person I disagree with the most. 
I mean, right? I mean, what sense does that make? I only pray for wisdom for people I like, because the people I don't like, I want them to mess things up. What? You want them to mess up our country? Well, no. Well, then you should pray for them even more. Not just for the president, by the way. Pray for the governor. This goes at every level. Pray for the principal of the school your kids attend. Pray for me, the pastor of this church. Pray for our staff. So we'll see what needs to be done, and we'll do what needs to be done, and we'll use the influence that God has given us. Why would we not pray for each other? And all too often, man, we talk a good game, or we talk an angry game, and we can tell you ten things that somebody's doing wrong. You ever prayed for him? Nope. Even once? Nope. Didn't vote for him. Oh, okay. Do you lead? No, I don't have the gift of leadership. Oh, okay. No, these are not excuses. I'm being sarcastic, okay? I don't want anybody to miss that. Number six. Six. There, I got six. This year, I will work smarter, not harder. I'm going to work smarter, not harder. Using a dull axe requires great strength, so sharpen the blade. That's the value of wisdom. It helps you succeed. If I'm going to be a better leader this year, it'd be good if I read a book on leadership. It'd be good if I read a blog on leadership. It'd be good if I went to a seminar on leadership. Okay, well, so if I want to be a good mom, why don't I go to a seminar on being a good mom? Want to be a good manager? You get the idea. This job's too heavy a burden for you. This is Exodus 18. Moses' father-in-law is talking to him. and He's wearing himself out by, without delegating here. He said, this is too big a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Select from the people some capable, honest men. Fear God, hate bribes, appoint them as leaders over groups from 1,000, 100, 50, and 10. They should always be available to solve the people's common disputes, but have them bring the major cases to you. Let the leaders decide the smaller matters for themselves. They'll help you carry the load, making the task easy for you. Moses had been a shepherd for decades, just him and the sheep. And now he had this big thing. He goes, well, you can't be a shepherd to all these people, Moses. You're going to have to delegate. Some of us, to be a better leader this year, without regret, we don't want that regret. Why did I try to do that all by myself? Why did I burn myself out? Why was I carrying all this stuff? There's lots of capable people. By the way, it ties back into then somebody you invest in. Well, you invest in the people you delegate to. There's lots of things that need to be done. That doesn't mean you need to do them all. Sometimes it's like going, hey, can you help me with this? Oh, I'd love to. And now you're giving them the same opportunity that somebody gave you. We need wisdom. We need to delegate. Last one, number seven, resolved. Consider this one. This year I'll follow through. Leaders follow through. It's part of godly character. When we're praying for people to live a life worthy of the call, we need to be people who are worthy of the call because we follow through. We don't make vain promises. When you make a promise to God, don't delay in following through, for God takes no pleasure in fools. Keep all the promises you make to him. You go, wow, John, that's kind of a slap in the face. I know. You ought to take it up with the author. Okay, Anyway, yeah, that would have been Solomon, the wisest man ever, and speaking under the inspiration of God. I didn't write that, but we all know it's true. God takes no pleasure in people who just talk a lot and don't follow through. Do you take pleasure in people who talk a lot and don't follow through? I don't. Well, then let's not be that guy or that gal. Let's follow through. Resolved, this year I'll invest in someone else. Resolved, this year I'll look and listen for opportunities to serve others. Resolved, 
This year, I'll go first. Resolve. This year, I'll deal with problems promptly and confidently. Resolve. This year, I will pray for other leaders. Resolve. This year, I will work smarter, not harder. Resolve. This year, I will follow through. Man, you talk about a year. If we did these things, there'd be nothing to regret. Because we would have seen what needed to be done. We would have done what needed to be done. We'd have handed off the things we couldn't do ourselves. We'd have learned and become a better leader. And we'd have extended our influence. But this is for every one of us. Because leadership is influence. Would you say that with me, please? Leadership is influence. Would you pray with me? Lord, leadership is influence. And Lord, it does no good to sit there and say, well, I'm not a leader. Well, if I were president, I'd do this. Well, I'm not president. Donald Trump is. And so, Lord, I'm going to pray for him. Lord, does he need prayer for his character? Well, of course he does. Does he need prayer for good advisors? Yes, of course he does. Do we, should we pray for him even if we didn't vote for him? All the more. But, Lord, this year I don't want to just pray for Donald Trump. I want to pray for myself, that I'm a leader where I am in my sphere of influence. Open my eyes to things I need to see and ears things I need to hear, then give me the character and the wisdom and the support I need to get them done. I don't want to talk a good game. I don't want to be a Monday morning quarterback. I want to be like Nehemiah, ready when the opportunity presents itself, even if I'm scared. Pray these things in the name of Jesus, the one who came to serve, not be served, the one who led even when it cost him his life. I want to be like you, Jesus. I want the whole world to see it. In the name of this, Jesus, we pray. Amen.